Did you know that for the low price of $49.95, you can buy a plot of land in Scotland and officially become a lord? It's true. It's true. You can buy one square foot of land and you can legally change your title to lord or lady. And when you do this, um, it's actually kind of for a good cause. It, it goes to the proceeds go to preserve woodlands in Scotland. But um, when you do this, you, you get this little plot of land. You can call yourself a lord or a lady. And I found one of the testimonials on, the, on this website. It says, my husband loves his gift. Since I gave it to him, he will pull the lord status to get out of any chore I ask him to do. Um, it's been such a fun part of our family. I will yell, Jeremy, can you take out the trash? And he will, will reply, Lords don't take out trash, Amber. This has given our family a lot of happiness, and our girls will have so many memories of their father being Lord of the house. And so this morning, I, I'm just really proud to say that I come to you not just as mm -mm. Pastor Andrew mm -mm. or Reverend Andrew, but I come to you as Lord, and I'll just get... I'm not a Lord, unfortunately, maybe one day. Um, no, Allie um, would love Absolutely that. Not. Uh, but this morning we're continuing our sermon series, Discovering Jesus as Friend, as Teacher, as Savior, as Lord, as Way, and as Presence. I bet you can't guess which one we're talking about this morning. We're going to be exploring Jesus as Lord. And over the past few weeks we've been looking at that question, who is Jesus really and what does it really mean to follow Jesus in our daily lives? And the best way to answer that question, I think, is is to look at the ways that we experience Jesus. And one of those ways is Jesus as Lord. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. And I want to invite you to stand as we hear God's word this morning. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? I'll show what it's like when someone comes to me, hears my words, and puts them into practice. It's like a person building a house by digging deep and laying the foundation on bedrock. When the flood came, the rising water smashed against that house. But the water couldn't shake the house because it was well built. But those who don't put into practice what they hear are like a person who built a house without a foundation. The flood water smashed against it, and it collapsed instantly. It was completely destroyed. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. No other title is more frequently used for Jesus in the New Testament than the title Lord. It appears over 600 times in the New Testament. In fact, the early Christians would proclaim their faith in three words. Jesus is Lord. It was the first Christian creed affirming that Jesus is master, Jesus is ruler, Jesus is king, Jesus is in charge. And to our modern day ears, that phrase, Jesus is Lord, seems simple. It seems straightforward. But for the early Christians who were living on, under uh, Roman control, Caesar was supposed to be Lord of all. And so these Christians who would come and dare say that Jesus was Lord, not Caesar, um, they were essentially, by doing that, committing treason against the Roman Empire. And many Christians lost their lives because they dared to say that Jesus is Lord of all. Last week, we, we talked about what it means to experience Jesus as Savior. We talked about how Jesus comes to save us from sin and death, how Jesus comes to make us whole. And this morning, I think we're taking that idea, that, that idea of Jesus as Savior, one step further 
as we look at Jesus as Lord. I think it's a deeper understanding of, of who Jesus is. Um, Diana Butler Bass says in her book, Freeing Jesus, we need to follow Jesus, to go where he calls, to give up our lives for him here and now. More than a savior, Jesus is Lord. So what's the difference between savior and Lord? Well, a savior comes to save us, but a Lord comes to rule over our lives. You see the difference? The good news is that when Jesus comes as Lord, he comes to us with or without our sin. But he comes because he loves us and he wants us to follow him and proclaim him as Lord. And, and what's interesting about Jesus is um, as a Lord, he is completely unexpected. He's not the typical type of Lord or King that we might expect or imagine. Jesus is not extravagantly wealthy, nor does he have much political power. He doesn't live in a castle or in a fancy palace. He doesn't seem to have much power in an earthly way. And instead of living a life of luxury, Jesus humbles himself as a servant leader. He's willing to lay down his life for the sake of others. Jesus humbles himself. He carries a cross. And in that act of sacrifice, he brings forth love and light and truth. And as followers of Jesus, we also are called to bring forth that love, that light, and that truth as well. Jesus is not the Lord that we expected, but he is the Lord that we needed. But in order to proclaim Jesus as Lord, that means that we actually have to do what he says. In our scripture lesson this morning, Jesus is preaching his sermon on the plain. This is Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, he asks the crowd, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Jesus, I think, is essentially calling us out this morning. Jesus doesn't want our lip service. He doesn't just want us to post a scripture on Facebook or on Twitter. He doesn't want us to just go to church on Sunday, which is a good thing to do, by the way. Um, but Jesus is calling us to do more, to practice what we preach, to live out our faith beyond just our words, beyond just our lip service. The proof is in the action. In his sermon, Jesus compares um, this idea to a homeowner. This homeowner has a house that's built on bedrock, that's built on, on a strong foundation, a house that can weather life's storms. The homeowner builds this house on solid ground, and that's the one who listens to Jesus' words, but also puts his words into action. This homeowner is the one who puts Jesus' teachings into practice. And then, on the other hand, we have the homeowner who builds his house on sand, and that represents a form of Christianity that is built the easy way. There's no foundation. There's no solid ground. When the floodwaters come, the house is instantly wiped out. There's no lip service. There's lip service, but there's no conviction, actually. Um, so you might say you're a Christian, but does that really impact the way that you live your life? You might proclaim Jesus as Savior, but do you proclaim Jesus as Lord of all? As E. Stanley Jones once said, Jesus Christ will be Lord of all, or he will not be Lord at all. 
if we want Jesus to be Lord of all, then we're called to actually, we're called to produce good fruit. We're called to feed the hungry and minister to the suffering. And this is what Jesus talks about in his parable of the sheep and the goats. We're told that when Jesus goes into his glory, he will put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And the sheep on the right are the ones who have provided food and water to the hungry. They're the ones who have clothed and naked. They're the ones who have gone to visit the sick and the imprisoned. And these sheep are amazed that when the king says, what you've done for the least of these, you've also done this for me. When you provided for the hurting and the lost and the lonely, you were doing this for me. And they didn't do it for recognition or for brownie points, but simply because it was the right thing to do, to help those in need. And then the goats, on the other hand, are the ones who failed to provide the food and water to the hungry. They didn't go and visit the sick and the imprisoned. They didn't engage in these acts of mercy. And they are shocked when the king says, what you have failed to do for the least of these, you have failed to do for me. They ignored those who were in need and thereby ignored the king as well. You know, I think we're called to have a personal relationship with Jesus. We're called to, to feed ourselves spiritually, to read our Bibles, to pray, to, to grow in our faith. But if we don't actually put that faith into practice, then I think we're missing the point. We can come and we can uh, sit in the pews, but if we don't ever go out those doors and actually do something with our faith, then we might as well just shut the doors because we've just become a social club. There's no reason for us to really meet. God cares about people. And God calls us to go and do the caring for people. The mission of the United Methodist Church to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, to make a difference, to transform people's lives. That's what we're called to do. And I do want to be clear, last week I talked a lot about there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. There's nothing you can do to, to earn your way into heaven. It's a free gift that's given to you by the grace of God. But that doesn't mean that we're not still called to do more. As Christians, we're called to put our faith into practice, to strive to become more and more like Christ. I like what Robert F. Darden says. He says, Jesus calls us to hear, to love, to act. Not because we're supposed to, but because we want to. Because we need to, joyfully, a good heart is a great treasure in the kingdom to come. If we proclaim Jesus as Lord, then we have to follow it up with our actions. In the Gospels, Jesus tells the disciples and he tells us exactly what he requires of us. What those actions look like. Jesus says exactly what he expects of us if we want him to be Lord of our lives. He says, if any of you want to be my followers... Let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. This is one of the most, if not the most, difficult teachings that Jesus has to offer. He invites us to deny ourselves, to give up our own selfish desires, our own wants, our own needs, 
to take up our crosses and to follow him. It's a call to give up our own way of life. It's a call to put aside our own way and to embrace this new way of following Jesus. Jesus is challenging us to reassess the fundamental way that we live our lives. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer says in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, the cross is not the terrible end of an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. So what does that mean for us to deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and follow Jesus? Like, do we literally need to walk around carrying crosses on our backs? What does that mean for us? How do we go out into the world and deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus? It's a very radical way of life if we think about it in literal terms. Um, but I really like the way the theologian Fred Craddock describes this, how he talks about how we can carry our cross, how we're called to live out our faith in our daily lives. He says, we think of giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table and saying, here's my life, Lord, I'm giving it all. But the reality for most of us is that he sends us to the bank and has us cash in the $1,000 bill for a bunch of quarters. And we go through life handing out 25 cents here, 50 cents there, listening to the neighbor kids' troubles instead of saying, get lost. Go to a committee meeting. Give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Fred Craddock says, usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. And you know, I think Fred Craddock is onto something here. Many times we want to turn in the $1,000 bill and say, I'm done, done my part. But Jesus calls us to the daily work of denying ourselves, taking up our crosses and following him. We're invited to do God's work, handing in one quarter at a time. And oftentimes it's those small things that make a big difference. Jessica said something in her children's sermon last week. Uh, it was a quote from Mother Teresa. Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. And that's often what discipleship looks like in our world today. It's not this, always this big extravagant act of sacrifice and, and giving, but it's in the daily mundane grind. Loving God, loving neighbor, each and every day in those small acts of kindness, in those works of mercy, little by little. Jesus is Lord, and we're called to follow his example. And this morning, we have the opportunity not just to follow Jesus as Lord, but we also have the opportunity to come to the table of the Lord, where we are invited to commune with the Lord.